I am so glad that we're not dealing with snow, one bullet, and a BP vest as we did this show. If I'm in snow, all I want to be is in a cabin. Snow, be in a cabin, it's warm. A hot tub and a wet bar, Graham style. Yeah, but even a hot tub outside, ooh, I don't know. (laughs) Attention, audience. Please heed our secondary scary advisory. Beware the stark broadcast on the surfacing of Drisking's past. It's too late to air what you hear here, for your faded, fallow fear has reappeared. Welcome, audience, you stark, shady ladies and dark, bent gents, to this chilling, fulfilling horror excursion edition of Chemohawk Sessions. It's really difficult to differentiate sometimes the audible similarity of horror and horror. Yep, I agree. Darker mile marker, an ungory but unsettling episodic dissection of Q-Code Media's best time-killing, fear-instilling, wine-swilling, spine-thrilling, blood-chilling podcast, Baraska Season 2, which aired October 6th, 2022. Welcome to your 14th scary auditory advisory under the persistent looming shade of the threatening triple tree with this Chemohawk Sessions spine-tingling, nerve-jingling special. Darker Mile Marker. Mile Marker 14 on this episode's road. Can you believe we've done 14 of these fuckers? No. Woo! Shortcake's Source. A Trojan Horse. Now, for those of you that are well-learned on Greek mythology, that should strike a very signature note. Today, we inspect, dissect, and reflect on the fifth episode of Season 2, 14th episode, chronologically, of Baraska. All roads lead to Baraska. The markers are no longer markers of miles in a terrestrial journey, rather markers of a grave, the spiritual realm. For the shallowly buried dead, for those unsettled souls resting in pieces, each keepsake, prop, or memento used in a sinister attempt to honor the murdered, their macabre remnant remains. The proper path to Baraska will be paved, but Shortcake's source is beyond depraved. He's too deep in his fucked family business to be saved. Jimmy claims he is their ace in the hole, but he is confusing a card trick with being an asshole. The treehouse tomb unearths old gloom. For the McCaskey boys met their end via Elemental Exposure Doom. JP remains a serpentine yet smooth talker, but Sam remains a walker. And just like Oedipus Rex, he is on a mission to murder his older walker father. Driskin proves a fucked up unfunhouse, for you must remember, Driskin's still a snow-capped town. Eric's no slacker slash hacker. The gentleman has lost a bit of its luster, but remains well-oiled, and in his nightmares, 
Sam still feels the deep roots of the triple tree that remain well watered, and Father Walker took a new bride that Sam will have to accept in stride. For the circumstances here are far, far from fucking conventional. We discuss the Walker home remodel, including hot tub and wet bar, our duo of heroes on breakfast sandwich grub can only get so far. And Sam's confrontation with an old ex is a fresh wound, leaving a permanent scar. Neither plot thread nor implied dread is missed, omitted, or otherwise ignored. While this double-digit darker mile marker is, by us, explored. Your faux ghost host, Falsetto Prophet, and she's been tased and dazed, but remains unfazed, co-host. Red Devil, Sam's on parole. Drisking abhors birth control and the cold, snowy road takes hold with a bold mile marker. While we host and sip dry wines, read between the misspelled signs on your tour of Drisking's Minds. Welcome to Drisking, land of one no-tell-foe-hell-motel, where bound ladies and their babies sell. Pay in cash at the Foe-Hell-Motel while we rehash old mile markers of Drisking's past with this darker mile marker broadcast. In this next chapter, Emmeline, I always thought her name was Emily. Yeah, me too. I'm, it, I'm very confused. I double-checked twice on Wikipedia, and her name was always Emmeline. I've never met anybody named that. Now, maybe they were calling her in the first season M or Emmeline. Sounds like Emmeline. 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 Okay, go ahead. But Emmeline proves an incorrigible bitch, for she chose the monstrous, murderous Graham, who happens to be rich. How convenient. Twice, Twice warned, warned you were. Note, audience, for the second season of Baraska, the cover art is different on all of the podcast platforms. It's very similar to the first season, yet different. There's a scruffy Sam, a chick holding a branch leaning against the tree's trunk, and a cop walking towards their trunk, gun in hand. Today, we will be snacking on and sipping. Four extra strength pills of ibuprofen and some makers marks and hits the spot from Graham's wet bar that from the hot tub is not far. Episode 14 of Baraska is called All Roads Lead to Baraska. Official episode summary from the Wikipedia slash Spotify Audible summary jacket. Sam visits his childhood home looking for answers but doesn't like what he finds. And I don't blame him. Here were my conceptualized contender titles for this episode. Unholy K. Anobi. Portraits Better Burned. Whitney's Hotter in Death. Wow, I like that one. Whitney Firewalker. Belated Cremation. Disarmed But Unharmed. And at some point, I think, the term hellhole is used in this episode. Well, the definition is, 
an oppressive or unbearable place, i.e. my former bomb shelter of an office. Oh, I was going to say, pretty sure if we asked my mom what a hellhole was, she'd say my, my room growing up. I'm sure you could relate to the characters in season one of Baraska, as they were no doubt getting on their parents' nerves. Now, for those of you out there, for you audience members who are enjoying Darker Mile Marker, please note two things. One, please go to Apple Podcast and leave a review and a star ranking or rating. Those comments of yours really help guide me and provide me the fuel and the sustenance to continue. So please let me know of any ideas that you have. Any feedback, any flattering remarks are of course welcome, if not encouraged. The second thing I want you to keep track of is check your calendars because at some point very soon, once Red Devil and I complete the remaining episodes of Baraska Season 2, we will be embarking on a new adventure that is no less violent and disturbing. We will be doing an episodic review of Scream the TV series. Hello, Emma. Your mother's a whore. Now, we will be skipping season three entirely, as it was completely rewritten, and it had a whole new cast, and it was terrible by comparison. Our focus will consist of season one and two of Scream the TV series, which came out roughly in 2015, and it was one of the greatest shows I have had the pleasure of watching repeatedly. And it's a rare show that both Red Devil and I love in equal reverence. We begin. We have a creepy ass fucking intro. Creepy music. Hey, that intro kind of reminds me of what these Darker Mile Marker intros sound like. With the sounds and stuff. Oh, yeah. The crow. Caca! But there are crows. There's snow crunching underneath their feet. And Kimber and Sam are gasping for breath. That's how I'd be if I was walking in a mountain. One of them comments, Sam, that maybe this whole mountain is a graveyard. Because as you recall, they found the McCaskey brothers dead. And they had been dead for a long, long time. Sam wonders if his sister, R.I.P. Whitney, Whitney Walker is buried at her mile marker. Remember, there is a glint of hope at the end of the last episode where Kimber postulates there's DNA evidence if bodies are in fact buried at these mile markers. Jimmy Prescott loves hearing himself talk. Well, we know that shit's right. And they pick the right voice for the right slimy character in JP. Kimber's hands are shaking. And that is ironic, as this is exactly what is happening to Sam because of his withdrawals. It's hard to say withdrawals without it sounding like overalls or drawls. You know? Drawls. How you drawls? How do drug dealers run a business on these shitty phones? <laughs> I can tell you that when I was having to do some mini cats, I went with two coworkers to get disposable cell phones. And we were told at the establishment that they would not sell more than two at a time because it is often linked with criminal or clandestine activity. Well, we it was like, H-Town, so... No, this oh. was in A-Town. Oh. We can't live stream if we can't get signal. What I like about these bumbling buffoons is they have good ideas, but their good ideas only get them so far. 
So their idea was, well, we'll just record everything that happens on the mountain and we'll live stream it. The only problem is they're not getting a signal. Whoops. We should talk to Eric and then we can go to Graham Walker's house. That's the way of it. And then you get these trees snapping in the wind and it sounds fucking amazing. I will say that Q code sound effects are not waning at all. They are just as strong as they ever were. And just because you don't hear the shiny gentleman or kids partying up at the triple tree doesn't mean they're not being creative with the sound effects, right? Kimber, we need to move up our timeline. And Kimber is like, well, we need to get you, Sam, trigger trained. Basically, I think Kimber wants him to be John Wick by the end of this shit. I mean, I don't blame her. They're going to be going into some crazy stuff. And the one thing that can make a story more suspenseful is to add a storm. We've got a fucking storm coming in. But of course we do, because we're in the mountains and it's the dead of winter. So you can expect a storm or six. Now remember, Red Devil, whatever roads lead to Baraska will be plowed. I think that's pretty clever of them to think about. Obviously, number one priority, not the citizens of Drisking. But their babies. Yes. Tree, house, tomb. That is how... Clever K, or Shortcake, describes what they saw back there in that treehouse. A treehouse tomb. I think it would be better if it was like The Simpsons, where it's treehouse of terror. That would be good, too. But are there bodies under the markers? Red Devil, what do you think? Do you think that these mile markers are, in fact, grave sites? I don't think so, because if they were, I feel like at this point, they would have been found out. Especially in past episodes, they talk, really, Sam has been talking about how there's been several times he's tried to get people involved and letting them know what's occurring on the mountain, but he always gets shut down. So I feel like if there really was physical evidence, we probably wouldn't be this far into it. Well, one thing this show is both good and terrible at is laying out really plausible red herrings. And it's happened about four times where I have been tricked, thinking that someone was dead when they weren't, Or like when, in this season, Sam arrives in town and he sees the newspaper and it's, welcome to Drisking. And it's like, oh God, oh, well, it's just for the high school, you know, football team or whatever. Yeah, but very effective. I like it. Well, and, and this, because it sounds reasonable and because some roads lead to this theory about them being mile marker grave sites, that's so like what you just said, right? Yeah. Plus, what would it do to the plot? It would completely stop the story, kind of. I I think it would just be too easy. You know what I mean? Well, now that I don't know, because remember, the whole town is corrupt. That's what we've been led to believe. So they would have to get outside help, which they've been trying to do through Leah Dixon, with her connection to like the feds or missing persons or some federal agency. I think it's kind of strange that we're now five episodes in, and Leah still hasn't provided anything through her ambiguous friend, Vicky, or what have you. We're not any closer to having somebody coming into town to investigate, as far as we know. Jimmy Prescott hates paperwork because he's a lazy country bumpkin. I mean, to be fair, who likes paperwork? They talk about the records, trying to ascertain where these records might be. Killing Graham is high on Sam's list of shit to do. But be careful, Sam. While it may be high on your list, you should not be high while you're composing the list. Jimmy Prescott's voicemail is so very Jimmy. It's fucking ridiculous. So gross. Screening his calls. Well, if you're a woman and eight or higher. Wow. That's some fucked up shit, bro. Eric is a night owl, we learn. He will be awake for hours. And Eric has been very helpful. 
albeit from a distance. Now, Sam is officially off the H. Yay! Now we're going to do We're going to do a cheers. We're drinking to him being sober. Graham is taking Jimmy Prescott's money across the table. And Jimmy has a bone to pick with Graham, or so he says. This could always still be linked to JP just trying to fuck him over, which is still well within the realm of possibility. Jimmy Prescott knew where Sam and Kay were, and also the cops, these dirty fucking cops. They knew that they were in the mountain area the whole time. What the shitballs? Well, remember, they've already talked about these game cameras, like your father has. Yup. Jimmy Prescott is their ace in the hole, or so he claims. I think he's just an asshole. Sam's negotiation skills seem to have sharpened. He's more assertive with JP. Quid pro quo, well done. We get a veggie, and you get a fucking empire? Now, by veggie, he means Kyle in a vegetative state. The boys were not found in the mine. They were found in the treehouse years later. This is what Sam and Kimber officially learned from the mouth of JP. Nobody killed the boys. Blame it on exposure and nature. They fell in the mine and subsequently died of exposure. The elements did them in. Just like what happened to Will Patton in that great flick that we will be doing a slick flick pick on, the Mothman prophecies. He died of exposure too, but really he died of fucking fear as he saw Indrid cold with his own peepers. The stables, that's where they keep all the women, were in full swing when they were found. The treehouse is a burial site. Are all the mile markers burial sites, JP? We have to know. Well, they talk about the shiny gentleman. Like, if the bodies were buried, what is the purpose of the shiny gentleman? The shiny gentleman don't grind bones, kid. It is only decent that folks get a headstone. Well, what do you know? A code of honor. Yeah. Something decent coming from an indecent person. I don't, I don't understand. Kimber's mile marker is still on the mountain for a reason. Keep that in mind. Okay. She was not meant to live, I guess, but she broke the mold. Drisking is a fucked up funhouse in hell. Now that's part of that great noirish narration that we get in season two. That was mostly missing from season one. But I really, really like the dialogue here. It's sharp and it's fucking penetrating. Now, Kay, bless her heart, she got more ibuprofen. What a sweetie pants. I love Kay. It's time to chat with Eric. He's got about 4% of something. Mike Sutton is a young cop. He fell for one of Eric's phishing emails, and so he got into his Instagram messages. Worst thing about getting with girls is the paperwork. That is what Mike Sutton has been found saying. This is very telling. Offline hard drive. Only accessible through a VPN, that's Eric's best guess on how they're going to crack this bitch. They need the physical hard drive. So once again, we're back to a very linear mission. There's information that we need, and Kay and Sam have to get it. Where would Graham and Jimmy Prescott keep it? JP is a simple fucking guy. Where do you think it is? Do you think it's at someone's house? Do you think it's at a public building? They have to have a digital record somewhere. I don't know where that would be, but it has to be. Especially with everybody involved. What do you think? I don't know. With a show like this, I just sit back and enjoy the ride. You can't come with me, Kay, says Sam. These are your ghosts, too. Well, that's a sad but good point, Sam. 
Because remember, it's Graham Walker that was the rapist for Kimber. And so she might very well get a vigilante-based emotional response, which may not be good. Of course, Sam is seeking revenge as well, so I'm not sure. But Sam remains this kind of big brother, uncle slash role to Kimber, when I think they should be dating, but whatever. Time to B&E the Sheriff's McMansion. This is what we've been waiting for the whole episode. You see, Podience, with these Baraska episodes, there's some moment in each episode that takes your breath away. It's either highly suspenseful, or it's riveting in the way that it's told or the sound effects used. For example, you think back to season one, obviously when they invaded the compound, that was huge. That was a huge moment. And also when things started breaking out at the funeral. But here, what you really want is that confrontation between Sam and his fucked up father. Well, we are at least getting closer to that. Now, Sam says, Kimber, things aren't the same between us because I love my father, Graham Walker. You never loved Cleary. And that's a good point, too. There's a phone call with Leah. Now, she's only been an over-the-phone presence this season. She is still the same old Leah. How are you passing your, your, your analysis, she asks. Oh, Eric Tucker. I've been helping him all along. Eric, I call him Eric Hacker Tucker. Or Graham Cracker Fucker. Get it? Graham Cracker Fucker. <laughs> Walker the Smooth Talker. Okay, enough rhymes. Luke Jameson, over at Quantico, agreed to take a meeting. So we have a modicum of progress on the investigative front. You need to get back here by the first, Sam. Oh, and by the way, Sam sounds better, according to Leah. She would know. She's talked to him more than anyone else. Kimber has changed a lot in 10 years. And she also sounds clear and steady. Sam parks a few blocks away from his father's house. Because once upon a time, his dead sister, Whitney Walker, taught him how to sneak into the yard and into the house. So the path here, kind of like Home Alone style, is you go along the creek through Daniel's yard, straight through the back gate and onto the patio. And then I love the chain link fence sounds. Mm -hmm. It's an unmistakable sound. Did you ever sneak in or out of your house? Not really. My my mom basically slept on the couch by the back door. Mm. So, I mean, unless I repelled in from the roof or something. It didn't even occur to me. I was way too much of a rule follower. There's no light on at the Walker Mansion. The house was deep and looming. They had built a large wooden deck with a hot tub and a wet bar. Very nice. Now, if you put the bar in the hot tub, you kill two bars with one stone. Ooh, I like it. Whitney Walker's old lock trick with a sliding door works. Sam is in the house. There's shiny wood floors, new appliances. It's an impersonal show home. No laptop. Damn it. No hard drives. Fuck. A notebook is blank. No pay dirt here. I love the Norish dialogue. Or really, it's just all Norish soliloquy or narration. There's a portrait over the door of Whitney. It's painted on how she looked prior to being taken. Weariness and fear show on her face. She had been painted next to her dollhouse. Creepy as hell. When they said this, I was like, mm, no, I feel uncomfortable. Sam tears it up. And there's a code on the back of the painting, which he takes a picture of and sends it to Eric, just in case. Also, there's piano music playing, which is odd. It's not that someone's playing the piano in the house. It's just really disconcerting tunage. 
He pours whiskey over the sheriff's shrine and ignites it, destroying the art in the sink. That reminds me of the film Eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger when he burns up all the credentials of Vanessa Williams so that she can disappear. It's always in a sink. Cigarette on whiskey-soaked pyre. Art better burned, I say. Just like some bridges are better burned. Same thing with some art. The garage door is opening. Holy shit. It's Graham's lady. His new wifey. But who is she? Who is she? Who the hell are you? It's Emmeline. And I remember being shocked. What the fuck? Emma Lean or Emma Line. Emma Line. <laughs> she, <laughs> she has aged better. She actually looks really good, healthy, and whole, as Sam comments. Why are you here, Emma? Your mother is dead, Sam. It's not your mother's house. Why would Graham let you live here, he wonders. Don't be obtuse. I, I love mean, it. he is being obtuse. I love it when people use the word obtuse, like in Shawshank Redemption, etc. So Sam's really questioning her, like, why are you with my fucking father? It doesn't make any sense. He's in his 50s. Well, he takes care of me. You're nasty. And then he says, probably the greatest line of the episode. If we were picking, like, our favorite line from the episode, like we do with Slick Flick Picks, we would have a treasure trove to select from. He says, you are a pathetic town flake who peaked in high school. <laughs> Damn! Oh, snap. What have you done? He is going to kill you, she says. Not if I kill him first. We are supposed to have a baby next month. Yeah, you don't look pregnant. Very cool, Sam. Go now. Move out. Keep your eyes open. Kay attacks Emma. Holy shit. Yeah. Welcome, Powerpuff Girl Kay. Redhead to the wind. But Emma's a survivor. You finally got Sam, Kay. I am a walker. You are delusional. All kinds of crazy shit happening right now. All kinds. Lots of crazy. That portrait is a holy relic for Graham that Sam just burned. So basically what happens in a very short time here is Sam destroys this portrait of Whitney, which will be important. And then Kimber saves the day and drop kicks or roundhouse kicks or throws into a wall, Emmeline. And then Kimber says, Emma, you wholesale bitch. Reminds me of Colorado, Colorado Springs and Kenda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Have well. fun meeting the shiny gentleman, Kay, says Emmeline. It is long overdue. Now, that's fucked up because that tells me that not only does Emmeline know that she's with a former widow, but she knows that the shiny gentleman is chopping people up in town. Yep, she doesn't care. And she doesn't care. She just wants to be rich. So that tells me that she's probably privy to just about everything that Graham is. Oh, yeah. In fact, she's 100%, I think she knows. Yeah. Emmeline Bonham. Okay, all the guns are in Kay's car. Remember this. All the guns are in her car. I call it self-immolation portrait that's still burning at Graham's house. A fire, a pyre, and Graham Cracker's wife is a s'more. Get it? Instead of whore? Because <laughs> it rhymes? I, I like s'mores better than whores. Just saying. I knew s'mores I could throw- before whores. I could throw two Graham Cracker references in this episode, and I did it. Pen pal exchange in eighth grade. Kyle picked Kimber as his pen pal. I'm just glad we haven't had to deal with Kyle this season. He's around. He's in the distance. He's kind of almost becoming a forgotten memory, but he still is talked about in case you forgot who he was. But Kyle picked Kimber as his pen pal and wrote his first love letters, and she needs to find those letters. So this is giving the plot some fuel to keep burning because now we have this little subplot 
where Kimber has to find these letters. So if you were thinking it was going to be this clean getaway where they burn Graham's house and then take the hard drive, no, no, that's not enough. We still have more to do. Now, Kimber had Sam's car. That's where the letters were. Kyle had put the letters in the car that she drove after the funeral or after Kyle was in the hospital. I mean, this was a long time ago, but this is just a little bit of backstory. And then I like Sam. He says, we have done a lot of stupid shit for letters. Eric, meanwhile, is as good as his word. Maple infused package care package arrives. Oh shit, though. They're not going to have time to feast on those fuckers because the cops. Now the cops, though, they think they are in 209. The cops are dumb. Or are they? Or are they? He heard Alan Grigg, not Graham, talking over the loudspeaker outside. Sam does not have his opportunity now to get revenge as Graham is not present. Eric, code is a brand of high-end hard drives, we learn. Because remember, Sam sent Eric the code that was on the back of the Whitney portrait. So a brand of high-end hard drives. Boom! This tells our main heroes and heroine that they need a server room. Now, Sam has played Grand Theft Auto. So Sam is able to drive him and Kimber away from these cops in this high-speed, snow-infused race to get away. And that is a great scream that we hear from Kimber while she's in the car. Her knuckles turn white. She's probably crying. Oh, shit. And she says, Unholy Kenobi! That was close. They get so lucky and they find a paved road, and they're able to escape the cops, but briefly. Meanwhile, another title, Burning Portrait Remains. Still burning at Graham's house. The road ran out, though, so they got away from the cops temporarily, but I get the impression that they're on the snowy bank on a mountain, and they've come to the end of the road. No service, spotty at best, if they're lucky. Is there a landline at Baraska? do you think, Red Devil? No, I don't know why there would be. We don't want anything that's traceable, right? They have less than an eighth of a tank of gas. Now, this is a good time for me to say, I like to refill my vehicle, the White Knight, with gas when the light comes on and says, hey, fucko, get gas. Red Devil likes to get gas when she still has about a third of a tank. And she's smart for doing that. Yeah. Most girls don't do that. They just wait until they run out of gas. Mm Mm-hmm i.e. all of the Dateline episodes you ever watched, dealt with a dry car. Mm -hmm. More howling wind. And it sounds fucking terrific. I love the howling wind, how it whips and it snarls, and it paints a terrifying picture of life on the mountain at Baraska. Now, it's going to take a mind to find a mine. And they better keep that phone alive, because the phone is dying, and they're running out of gas. So they're relying on this car that they're essentially stuck in because there's nowhere to go. They're relying on what little gas remains in the car to keep them heated and to keep the phone charged. Yeah, and the cops block them in, right? I I believe I remember that. I don't remember, but I know that since there's about 15 cops that are alerted to their presence, they're going to have to move gingerly. Oh, but wait, there's one evil twist of the knife still lingering. They check the trunk where they used to have like 35 weapons. The guns were fucking taken. They were purloined. They were pilfered. Except for, this is all that remains in the trunk, Podience, a forty-five with no bullets and a bulletproof vest. Oh wait, there is one bullet remaining and one BP vest. What the shit? Well, they discern, because they know Graham and they know what it's like to be fucked over, that Graham, Cracker Crunch, 
is playing another twisted graham cracker game around the campfire. He left a tiny glimmer of dope hope. Get it? Dope because Sam's a doper. (laughs) There's another letter to read. They find a letter in the car. And it basically says, hey, fuckers, we know where you are and we know what you're doing. Oh, but we left you something, i.e. the one bulletproof vest and the one bullet. And then it's signed, the good guys. Wow. Blatant disrespect. All roads now lead to Baraska. The episode ends, and the fucking chilling, fantastic music begins. Now, Red Devil, are you still enjoying this season, season two of Baraska? Yeah, I can't wait to listen to the next episode. Well, I can tell you that as this is episode five, and there are only two episodes remaining. Just like the first season, the last two se- or the last two episodes of season two will be a part one and a part two. Ooh. And I think what's cool about Baraska season one ending on episode nine is that every episode that we've done since is double digit. Yes, yes, you're right. Do you see this ending when all is said and done? Do you see this ending with like pure justice where Walker is killed or imprisoned? All of the corrupt cops are imprisoned. Eric is there to help them. They find Kyle and he's a vegetable, but he's alive. And then Kimber and Sam wind up together and they're able to face their demons as a couple. If that's best case scenario and then worst case scenario is like they just all die. Where do you think this is going to land? I'm sure that we're going to have a few more twists in there. I really don't think Leah is bad, but like I feel like her intentions are good, but I could see her good intentions leading to trouble, leading to something. Yeah. Like maybe this guy that's going to open an investigation is corrupt or something. Yeah. Something like there's not been enough drama on that end. There has to be another twist. So I'm looking forward to learning. Well, the moments that I really enjoyed, like in season one, and a few moments in this season, it didn't really take place in this episode. I was really feeling the tension when Sam was slowly creeping upon his former home. But the moments that I really like are when they would like have the assembly, remember, assembly without Whitney, and when they would go to the Drisking Preservation Society, and when they were out in the woods. This was still solid shit, though. Stay alive, outrun, outlast. For next week's darker mile marker, Surreal Reveal. By the way, I'm very proud of my title for this upcoming episode. Per usual. Mile marker 15 on this episode's road. Two chests, one vest. (sighs) Will Sam and the sailor outgrow revenge or slowly grow still more unhinged? Doubly fucking remember. Roadside sights grow starker. Each darker mile marker. Here... We'll shed a dying flashlight on freshly painted, but still blood-tainted, mile markers. Twice Twice warned warned you were. were. Falsetto and... Red Devil. Out.